So I'm going to shift gears. We are, uh, we're going to go back into uh, talking about looking at the names of God. And uh, I feel like this is really important for us to begin to get. It's not just, it's not just about, it's not a name tag, so to speak, as it is an invitation to interact with the God whose name is the one that we're looking at. And not just inter, you know, not just interact. I, I just realized, you know, his his name reflects his character, but it doesn't just stop with his character, because his name and his character, his name reflects also his acts, A C T S. So it's not just the name having to do with his character; it's also there's an action that's attached to that. And if we want to get really out over our skis, the action is actually connected to his glory. So when, when, uh, just this is a, this is an easy, uh, low hanging fruit statement. So when Jesus was in the boat and there was a storm and his disciples were afraid and said, hey, don't you afraid, aren't, you, aren't you concerned that we're about to die? And he stands up and rebukes the wind. That was the God of peace manifesting himself. And in that manifestation of peace, we see his nature, his character, his act, and his glory. So the reason that this is really uh, important for us to be able to get and hold on to is we can't separate his acts <clears throat> from his name, even though we might not see it as much as we want. We can't separate it because when we do, we reduce his glory. Do we need to go get the espresso and the, and the donuts now? <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I, w- I want to read something to you. I've been, and, and, uh, I apologize. This is not in my on my slides. Uh, I got this uh, maybe a couple of three weeks ago in second service, and but it's in Genesis. If you want to follow along, it's Genesis chapter sixteen, and it's an inter- It's about it's about uh, Hagar. So as you know, Hagar, um, Sarah, Sarai, Ad- uh, Abram's wife. Uh, couldn't get pregnant. The Lord told them that they were going to have a, uh, descendants and to be as numerous as the stars. And so they tried to help God out. And so Sarah had this idea, well, you know, why don't you just, you know, I'll just give you my uh, uh, handmaiden, Hagar, and you can, we'd have children through her. So she did, she gets pregnant, and then she starts to ridicule Sarai. And so Sarai just votes her off the island. And uh, in, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 7, the angel, it says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside the spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm running away from my mistress. The angel said, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. In verse 11, the angel of the Lord, who was actually, is actually God, 
You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. And look at verse 13, if you have your Bibles. Verse 13 says, Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also says, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So the, <clears throat> my point is, 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 that, is that Hagar had an encounter with the Lord, and in that encounter, she decided to change the name that she gave to him. Do you realize that we operate the same way? If we have a positive encounter, we will change the name, so to speak, or our expectation of who he is. If we have a negative encounter, we'll change the name of who we thought he is. But it's all based on our encounter. So Jeff, why do you say that? My prayer is that as we are looking throughout the names of God, that, that we will have a different encounter and change the way that we relate to him. I've got a great Father's Day message for you. Your heavenly father wants you to encounter him. And we're done. Okay, you know what? We can stand. So, so anyway, but that's, uh, that, that's the premise behind what I'm talking about. So Father... Lord, it takes God to love God. It takes God to know God. And so, Lord, we can't get to you. We need you to get to us. And so I pray, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, this morning, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, Lord, not just to hear great truth, but, Lord, open our hearts, Lord, to experience you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said... So I'm going to have to start doing stuff to get you all to talk. So I'm going to say, and all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, there we go. Um, so, so because I feel like this is so important, I'm going to risk the IQs of everyone here in the room that's been here the, for the past two or three weeks in that I'm going to risk that I'm going to sound so redundant, this might turn you off. So that's not what I'm trying to do. I, I don't want to turn you guys off. I do want us to go back to something and catch something. It's all about the, it's all about the revelation. It's, it's all about the, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's all about the, uh, I, I'm not trying, I'm not speaking to your head. I'm, I'm actually speaking to your heart, to your spirit. And so, uh, so anyway, so if you have your Bibles, uh, just in, a, in, in, just in review, um, we had looked at Matthew 6 verse 9 and what I guess what started this whole process is I was telling you about one day I was reading this verse and following along where Jesus disciples said could you teach us how to pray and he said yeah pray this way and uh, and he said our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name and as I was reading that I was thinking oh wow I wonder like what is what is his name you know, is it, was it father? Is it, is it, is what, you know, what, so that's what's got, got us started on this. But I want to, to I want us to look at this verse here because Jesus is saying something to his disciples. Like when you pray, pray like this, our father, 
hallowed be your name. The whole thing about hallowed be your name. And, and in order for us to hallow his name, which means to pause or to give credence to or to, or to meditate on, we need to know what that name is. And again, it's not just a, it's not a name tag. It's, it's an invitation to an encounter with a living God. And uh, I heard, so, uh, I heard um, oh, who was it just said this? But the, the God's name is so vast that the human language cannot comprehend it. We actually read something uh, that pr- uh, pertains to that a few weeks ago where um, Samson's father uh, was visited again by the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord said, hey, uh, told his wife, you're going to have a child. And, uh, and then remember that whole exchange where uh, Samson's father said, well, could you tell us your name so that when this comes about, we can, you know, we can honor you. And the angel of the Lord responded and said, why would you want to know my name? You can't even comprehend it. It's like, oh, wow. And so there's something to the name that is much greater than we, than we know about. So Jesus is saying here to his disciples, hey, first line, as you're praying, say, our father, hallowed be your name. And so, um, so just on the, just on the topic of the name, I'm just, I'm run, now I'm running into all sorts of scriptures that are pointing to his name. Uh, here's one in Psalms 910. And those who know your name will put their trust in you for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name, those who are familiar with your name, they put their trust in you. So you want to ask the question, so for those who don't know your name, can they put their trust in you? There's something that's revealed as we're looking at the names of God. There's something that he's wanting us to know about himself that actually uh, reveals a facet an eternal facet of who he is, and he's inviting us to know, uh, to know him based on that name. And all God's people said? Amen. All right, here we go. Another one, just to look at Malachi. Turn to Malachi uh, chapter 3. Malachi 3, verse 16. Another, th- these, are, these are verses that I've read through, just read across and never noticed the, what, what it was pointing to, what the verse was pointing to. It says, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. So something on earth caught his attention, caused him to go, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. And he commands a book to be written for him. And it's concerning those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. There's something in the heart of God that brings joy to him as we delve into meditating on his name. It's like, ah, and he's got this book. Just go with me here. He could be saying, hey, read, read that again. Angels, read that one again. Read, read that again when Grace Center is talking about my, yeah, read that again. Ah, 
It's so awesome. And all God's people said, you know, I'm going to keep doing this all day. You know, I hope you know that. Okay. And then, then in Exodus 20, 24, it says, in every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. There's the interaction, the invitation. It's an invitation. Every place where my name is recorded, I will come to you and I will bless you. Again, it's not just a name tag that we're looking at. It's an interaction. Okay, little bit of review. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. What we talked about was that in the Bible, a name often provided a clue to the nature or the character of the person or the place. And so in the Hebrew, in Hebrew understanding of a name, a name was directly relate, related to a person's character. So one's name was one's reputation. So parents would name their children with the hopes that their children would aspire and grow up to what that name meant. So if a, if a, a father and mother names their son David, David means beloved, their hope is that David, would, their, son, their son would grow up to be beloved by God and by children, by children, <laughs> By God and by others, which would be children. That's, that's a great, I want to be loved by children. Maybe that's my, but anyway, so the whole thing, the whole premise behind the name was, was they, they were hope, they were praying that the name would actually shape that, that son or that daughter's destiny. And we see Jesus do the same thing. Jesus changed the name of, uh, uh, of, uh, of Simon he said to him, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus renamed Simon. Simon took the, Jesus took the name Peter from the Greek word rock, which is Petros, and he gave it to his friend as a prophetic word of Simon's call and future in the kingdom of God. It's not the first time he did this. He changed Abram's name. He, he changed Sarah's name. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means a father of a multitude. God also renamed Jacob's, uh, uh, Jacob's name to Israel. And so, so the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm honing in on is that God takes very serious this thing about names. Names are a direct link. So if God cares this much about human names, how much more does he care about his name? And so in Exodus 3, God reveals himself to Moses. Moses said, well, you're going to send me to go talk to, this, to, to, to Israel. Who should I say is sending me? And he says, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And I'd be like, I, I think that would be more confusing to them. But he goes with it. And so I am, which is another word for Yahweh. And we looked at Yahweh or Jehovah means I am with you, ready to save and to act just as I have always been. And all God's people said? Amen. I am who I am. That name or Yahweh means, can be rendered, I am with you, ready to save and to act just as I have always been. Now, here's the distance between the truth of this and the experience of it. Do I believe it? It's 
So in our English Bibles, we have the word Lord. We don't have Yahweh or Jehovah, or you might have one, but most of the translations is Lord, which is still the same thing. I am with you, ready to save and to act just as I have always been. So what we looked at a couple of weeks ago, we looked at this compound name, Jehovah, our righteousness. In Jeremiah, Jehovah, our righteousness. The Hebrew name is Jehovah Sedkenu. So what we did a couple of weeks ago was at the end of the, at the, end of the message, said, Jehovah Sedkenu, hallowed be your name. Because we... We were, we, were, we were calling him by his name, Jehovah, our righteousness. And if you remember what righteousness means, righteousness is the ability to stand in the Father's presence without any sense of fear, condemnation, or inferiority. And all God's people said, this is paramount. This is huge. The ability to stand in the Father's presence without any sense of fear, condemnation, or inferiority. I don't want to show of hands. How many of us, when we go to pray to Him, either see ourselves as distant from Him, or Him, we're trying to wake Him up, or anything other than Him being right here? That's because we think that it's up to us to get his approval. It's not. He has already gotten his own approval through his son, Jesus. And Jesus is now our righteousness. So how do we stand before the Father without any sense of fear, condemnation, or inferiority? We don't. We can't. Man cannot, could not restore himself. There had to be a divine remedy. And there was. The thing that we also need to know is that, mo- that by and large, we're all born with, with a, um, a sin consciousness. So we're more familiar with our sin, we're more familiar with our failures, we're more familiar with our weaknesses, we're more familiar with our shortcomings, than we are his righteousness. So we have a sin consciousness, and the Lord is pulling us towards a righteousness consciousness to see what he's accomplished for us. The other thing that complicates this whole thing is that there is an accuser who accuses us to us and us to God. And we're more familiar with that voice. But you know what? We, we, are, we are moving forward. So. so, Jehovah our righteousness, that name reveals the method of our righteousness. Just This is all review. There's a method, there's a measure. The method is found in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. It's the method. This this method of righteousness, how do we get this righteousness? Oh, it's answered right here. He, God, 
made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, or made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, then the measure comes in so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the righteousness of God in him speaks to the measure of our acceptance. He made him the method of our acceptance. And then he speaks to the measure of our acceptance. How much are we accepted before God? Well, as much as Jesus is. There was an exchange that happened. Our sin was exchanged. He took that and he gave us his righteousness. And this is, this is a, you know, it's, it's simple and yet profound. It's really simple to agree with right here. And it's really profound, profoundly difficult to live out of here. The experience of it. And all God's people said, all right, you, can, you know, you, you know you, your volume's kind of going down. Do you know that? So, Jesus is our Jehovah Sedkenu, our righteousness. Romans 5 says this, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because another person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. This is huge. So righteousness is the ability to stand in the Father's presence without any fear, shame, condemnation, etc. Without this gift of righteousness, we would have no real relationship with the Father. We'd always think he's mad at us. The truth of the matter is, is you can't have faith in the word of God and live under condemnation. The two are diametrically opposite. If we don't understand that we are in him and that he is our righteousness, we will never enjoy the Father's presence. So Jesus is our righteousness. He's our covering. Okay, we're gonna look at the next name. Turn to 1 Corinthians uh, 1.30. And all God's people said? Amen. There we go. Oh, it came up a little bit. I'm going to get this meter up here and goes. First Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him, or another translation says, Being united with him, which is Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness. There's that. We just looked at that. And sanctification and redemption. Now, remember, I, I realize there's a bunch of, there's, there's a lot of shuns in here because this is where we kind of, you know, tap out. Redemption, sanctification, vacation. Um, Jesus became wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So 
what I want us to look at is we're going to look at this word sanctification. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 8, it shows the next name of God, the compound name of God, which is Jehovah, which is I am here, I'm with you, ready to save and to act just as I've always been. And then it's going to attach this other one, which is sanctifies. You shall keep my statues and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now, let me just say this in your, in your Bible. This, this name or this, yeah, this name has not been translated or transliterated in the English Bible as his other names have. And it's often overlooked as one of the compound names of God, but it is one of the compound names of God. So it says, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And sanctify, I'm going to break this down because that's one of those words where you're like, okay, let's just move on to the next one. But sanctify is a really important word. In the Hebrew, sanctify means to set apart for God's service. Now, let me just say this. Everything, all of God's names are redemptive and restorative in nature. And what they are trying to restore is the original fall of man. It was more than just a, a bite of an apple or a bite of a piece of fruit. And it was more than when God said, if you eat this, you're going to die. It wasn't about just a lifespan uh, uh, stopping. No, it, it was about the, the entire um, environment that man was a part of as he was relating to God. God was his everything. And when man did that, there was a separation that happened. And from that separation, God is, was, has been busy trying to restore man, or God was busy trying to restore man back to his original place back in the garden. Here's the crazy thing it talks about in Revelation. There was a conversation amongst the deity because it said that Jesus, who was slain from the foundation of the world, which meant that the plan for Jesus to come in and be our redeemer was already discussed probably in eternity past before he said, before God said, let there be light before he created the world and all of its beauty and all. Of, but there was a, there was a discussion that was made. Hey, if we make man, man is eventually going to fall. What, what will we do to restore him back? Jesus, but I don't know how it, how it came up, but Jesus volunteered and said, I'll do that. This is love that God gave his son. This is love. I'll do that. It's amazing. So the importance of being sanctified is once we are uh, distant, once we've been removed from the presence of God, once we carry around this sin nature, how will we ever be qualified to stand before God again and work with him? And he says, I'll take care of that. I'll do this thing called sanctify. I will sanctify you. I will set you apart for service. And also we're going to look, I will set you apart from the power of sin. Yeah. Those two things. So his name in Hebrew is Jehovah Makkadesh. Jehovah Makkadesh. All God's people said? Amen. All right. Jehovah, I am with you, ready to save and to act just as I have always been in order to sanctify you, to set you apart. 
So wherever you feel like, oh, my past, my, my history, all that sort of stuff that would keep us from being able to approach God or being able to feel like we're invited to, uh, into his presence or to be able to, 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 to come alongside him in fellowship, it's all taken care of. He took care of that through Jesus. All right, so why is this important? It's the same reason his righteousness is important. Righteousness means the ability to stand in the presence of God without fear, condemnation, or inferiority. This name, Jehovah Makadesh, is saying that not only are we righteous, but we have been chosen by a holy God for his service to work alongside him in fellowship with him in his holiness. Now, see, I grew up in a holiness preaching church. And I didn't hear really any of this. I heard it was all up to me. Holiness actually equated to thou shalt not. It's all the don'ts. Drink, smoke, curse, dance, you know, all that. And there's more don'ts. That was was the top five, but. (laughs) So the issue here is he is holy. I am not. How do I have fellowship if I am unholy and he is holy? It's in this name. He sets me apart. He sets you apart as holy. Jesus is more than our righteousness. That's all good. He is more than our righteousness. He offers not only forgiveness from our sins, he offers deliverance from the power of sin. All God's people said, look at your neighbor and say amen. In other words, the blood of Jesus not only takes away our sin, it breaks the power of sin or it breaks the dominion of sin. It sets us apart from sin. This is what being sanctified is. The blood of Jesus does not overlook sin, it overcomes sin. And all God's people said, here's the issue. We have a sin consciousness. We have an accuser. We are so in touch with our weaknesses and our past, we need a deliverer. God says, I'll take care of your weaknesses and your failures. I'll sanctify you as holy. He is the one who restores us to himself. August people said? There we go. Oh, thank you. So we can participate fully in God's service because he has set us apart as holy and has sent his spirit to dwell in us, to empower us to live as holy. All God's people said? Look at Romans 5. Is that Romans 5 or Romans 6? Romans 6. But thanks be to God... That though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. This is speaking of that sin consciousness versus righteousness consciousness mindset. It's okay. We've got 52 weeks to get through this. 
God himself has set us apart for his service, and it is also he who enables us to live life as those who are set apart. In Hebrews 13, 12, says this, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people, set them apart, with his own blood, suffered outside of the gate. I want to read uh, a passage of Scripture to you that I think illustrates this. This is in Luke 5. I'm going to read it to you. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat there in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished, he said to Simon, now go out to where it's deeper and let down your nets uh, for, to catch some fish. Master, Simon said, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon other boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Then it says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. And Jesus says in verse 10, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. The question is, is what's happening? What's happening here? What is happening here is Jesus is calling Peter. He's he's relating to Peter, not according to Peter's sin, but according to Peter's sanctification that he himself will provide. Jesus is relating to Peter as Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. So, as we pray, we pray, hallowed be thy name, Jehovah Makadesh. Lord, we thank you that you sanctify us, not only sanctify us, but you give us victory over the power of sin in our lives. And we stop and we bless you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.